Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So today, as I continue with the topic, Kingdom Come, we're talking about the kingdom of God coming on earth and infiltrating all areas of society. I want to start with a testimony of a lady that we studied with at Verts University. So I like to say, I studied at Verts uh, 24, 25 years ago. Uh, I know some of you are here who studied at Verts. You know, I see your hands. Professor Shola is here. All the Verts is in the house. Let's see all the Verts is in the house. There you go. There you go. I'm so glad the Verts are in the house, you know, because, you know, every time I go to preach at Verts, uh, the students there, they tell me, Pastor Sai, do you know that when you were studying here, we were not yet born? I'm like, <laughs> I still feel and look young in my heart. But what was so amazing is 26, 25 years ago, when we were on campus, the leaders were saying to us, you're going to go out there and change the world. You are discipled to go and transform nations. Now, when we were told that, some may have thought they were just exciting us or making us happy, as I'll be doing today. This is not to excite you and to make you happy. It is true that we are changing the world. We are making an impact in our nation. So the testimony I want to start with before I go into the topic of today, it is this lady, Noloazi Mabindla Bakwana. We studied with her at Vert many years ago, and she served at Anglo as the head of legal. She served in the labor court. She served in the high court uh, down in Cape Town. And two weeks ago, she was interviewed by a panel of 23 people. I don't know if you've ever been interviewed by 23 people. Cabinet ministers, our dearest Julius Malema, the list goes on and on. The chief justice was facilitating the, the whole interview. And we got to watch it on YouTube. And boy, when I looked at this lady, she is on fire. You know, she is on fire. You can tell that there's something about her. She was selected as part of the five to be Supreme Court of Appeal judge in Bloemfontein. There she is, right there. No, Loazi Mabinza. Now, I share this story with you to say she is just one step before she gets to the Constitutional Court. I mean, she's got what it takes to become the chief justice of this land. Because God has called us to infiltrate and permeate all areas of society. Amen. We are called, that's the topic for today, to occupy till I come. Jesus' words to his disciples was, occupy till I come. So I'm going to repeat this word together with you today, occupy until you'll never forget it again. So Jesus has called us to do what? Occupy. Jesus has called us to do what? Occupy. We are called to occupy till he comes. We're going to read the text where Jesus said this to us in Luke chapter 19. But before we go to the text, I want to just add a few things to, to say, what are we grappling with today? We are grappling with the question, why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? 
Why did Jesus come? He didn't just come as an excursion visiting earth. He came for two profound reasons. He came to seek and save the lost. And he also came to introduce the kingdom to us. He came to introduce the gospel of the kingdom. So I want to say to you, church, we are called to occupy with the gospel of salvation. We are called to occupy with the gospel of the kingdom. And we are called to occupy with our gifts and talents. Amen. We are called to do what? Uh, even when you're wearing your mask, I have a, spirit, a gift of discernment. I can tell if you're not saying it. We are called to do what? Occupy. So we occupy with the gospel of salvation. Now, the reason I start here is because, you know, some of us tend to focus more on salvation, that yes, we need souls to be saved, but may we not forget that we are meant to occupy with the gospel of the kingdom. You know, the word kingdom is mentioned 162 times in the New Testament. Don't you think Jesus was up to something? He had such a clear focus that he came to introduce the gospel of the kingdom. In fact, the gospel of the kingdom is repeated so much more than the good news of salvation. That gets you thinking. Yes, we want to see people saved and we're going to talk about it, but being saved is just entering into the gate and stopping at the gate. Being saved is getting the keys and opening the door and just staying by the, by, by, by the gate. And a, a lot of Christians are just uh, clogging up the gate. They're just waiting there at the gate. They are not doing what? Occupying. A lot of us are just there. I'm happy to be saved. I've got the title deed, but we are not occupying. Let me put it to you this way. My family and I, we've received land back through land restitution between Room and Clackstop. The grave sites are there and everything. And we are changing the narrative. We have the farmers that are there partnering with us and we have signed a 100-year lease with them and say, let's work together because the land is vast. Now, the issue I have is some of us, we get the title deed, but we don't occupy. The land is not going to work itself. We need to work the land. You know, my uncle left his job to go and become a farmer, partnering with the farmers that are there. What is he doing? He's occupying. So don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about illegal occupation. Are we together, saints? I'm not talking about illegal. We've got a title deed. We've got a title deed. But as Christians, we have the Bible. That's our title deed. And we are sitting with it at home. We are not occupying. We are not occupying. We are called to occupy. We are called to infiltrate all areas of society. When I read the Bible, I ask myself, I put the lenses of good governance, and I say, God, what are you saying about governance in our nation? When you're an engineer, you need to read the Bible with the lenses of engineering and innovation and say, God, what are you saying to us? If you're a lawyer, you need to put on the lenses of law and say, what is God saying to the judiciary of our country? That is occupying. Conformity is not occupying. When we conform, we are not occupying. When we conform to the patterns of this world, when we just do things the way the world is doing them, we are not occupying. We are called to do what? To occupy. We are called to occupy. Let's read the Bible. Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me. 
I'm reading the ESV portion of the Bible, and it'll be on the screen in case you didn't bring your Bible. You can also read the Bible on your phone. It is still a Bible. Amen. We are called to do what? Amen. If you got that, we can now pray and close the service. <laughs> we are called to occupy. This parable is called the parable of the ten miners. I like the word miner because it's got different meanings. It means talent and it also means salary. A miner was regarded as uh, three months worth of salary. But uh, close to us here at home, a miner is more like people who are mining. So um, as I get ready to prepare and read the scripture, I don't know if you remember that when uh, the astronauts first landed on the moon, there were a couple of things that they said. And I want to mention them to you just to show you the significance of Jesus walking here on earth. It is so interesting some of what the astronauts said, and we may forget because we are so fixated and so blown away by the intergalactic scouting that is happening right now, forgetting that we once had God himself walking here on earth. So listen to this. The eagle has landed, said Neil Armstrong. President Nixon, watching the events on television, described it as one of the greatest moments of our time. The Pope greeted the news by exclaiming, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men of goodwill. At 3.56 a.m., 20th July, 1969, Neil Armstrong stepped off the ladder from the eagle and onto the moon's surface. That's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. I'm sure you've had those words being said before. He said this as he became the first man to walk on the moon, even though some do argue that there was someone else who walked on the moon before him. James Irwin, another astronaut who walked on the moon, said this, Jesus walking on earth is more important than man walking on the moon. Jesus walking on earth is more important than man walking on the moon. I say this to you because as much as we are fascinated by the new era of interplanetary aerial scouts, mining exploration on the moon, on Mars, just this last Monday, they had a helicopter landing in Mars and exploring Mars. We are fascinated by that, but we forget that we once had God walk on earth bringing the kingdom introducing the kingdom. That must mean something to us. So when he came, this is what he said, verse 11. And this, and they heard these things. He proceeded to tell the parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten miners, and he said to them, Engage in business until I come. So if you read that in the King James Version, it says, Occupy till I come. Engage in business till I come. I'm so glad that God loves business. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see how much business is repeated just in this small portion of Scripture. 
Verse 14, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your miner has made 10 miners more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful with very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. That's amazing. Not villages, not towns, cities. We are called to occupy. We read in verse 24, and he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him. I, I skipped one, I skipped one. Verse 18, and he said, and he said to the second saying, Lord, your miner has made five miners. And he said to him, you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your miner, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? Nothing wrong with the banks. Lord, help those who may be having high interests and, take, and taking too much from the poor. I'm just praying because I know that the world system is not always the best system. And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to the one who has 10 miners. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 miners. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But to, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's tough. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Wow. Jesus did not mince his words. The Lord blessed the reading of his word. As much as it is difficult to take it in, it's the Bible. So we are called to occupy. When we read these verses that we started with, I want us to look at how do we occupy with the gospel of salvation. Look at the first few verses. As they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was nigh Jerusalem. He was near Jerusalem. What are the things that he said? What are the things that Jesus said? So if you look in your Bible, verse 9 and 10, Jesus is having a conversation with Zacchaeus. And these are the words that he says to Zacchaeus. Behold, no, no, verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, I came here to proclaim that today salvation has come to your house. Now I like that phrase that says salvation has come to your household because it gives me a promise to believe that everyone in my family will be saved. It gives me a promise that today salvation will come to my household. So I'm saying this with this in mind that some of you are still praying for your family members and trusting for their salvation. I'm here to say, keep praying, keep praying, keep trusting. I've seen in my family many years of praying and those people getting saved one by one 
because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Amen. So we occupy with the gospel of salvation, but we don't stand there. We also need to occupy with the gospel of the kingdom. We continue to read because they thought that the kingdom of God should come immediately or should appear immediately. Last week, Pastor Lereko shared so well about the kingdom of God being both now and not yet. So we think so much about where is the kingdom of God? We need to see it now. And we, we, we get discouraged and say, where is the kingdom of God? The Bible in Luke 17 says, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is operating within you. So it means we will not see the kingdom of God expressed ex externally if it's not first expressed internally. That is salvation. That is salvation. When Jesus first came and walked the earth, a lot of the Jewish people thought that he came to take over from the Romans. They thought he was bringing political, ethnic takeover. But Jesus said, I'm here for the souls. Because what shall it profit a man to gain the entire world and lose his soul? Jesus said, I came for the souls. So when he first came as a suffering servant, it was to win the souls, to redeem the souls. But a time is coming when he's going to come as a conquering king. So when he comes as a conquering king, that will be the fulfillment of the kingdom. So let me give you some good theology here. I know that some of you may be discouraged by the kingdoms that are crumbling now. I'm not talking about the United Kingdom. You know what's happening in the media. We, we, we know what's happening in Eswatini with how the kingdoms are, are, are exploiting people. But what I can tell you, when you read Revelations 11, the Bible says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Father and His Christ. So it means a time is coming when God will take over His reign and redeem all the kingdoms of this world. So we do not get discouraged by what we see with our natural eyes. He came to seek and save the lost, but he came to introduce the message of the kingdom. So the foundation of God's kingdom is a relationship with the king. As I said, that relationship is when you enter into the gate. That relationship is when you get saved. That relationship is when you get the title deed. It starts with that relationship. Let me ask you a question. How is your relationship with the king? How is your relationship with the king? It may be that you're not occupying because of your wrong perspective of the king and the father and the master. It may be that you're not occupying because you may not have stepped into that relationship that he wants to have with you. So if you're not yet born again, if you're not yet saved, make it today your moment to have a relationship with the king. Make it today your moment to start a relationship with this king. Once that kingdom is expressed here, it will be expressed around you. That is why I want to move now to occupying with the gospel of the kingdom. How do we occupy? We'll get to that. But first, let's say, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's rule over earth, and in heaven. Wherever the Lord Jesus Christ reigns, there you have the kingdom of God. This is true whether Jesus reigns in the life of an individual, a group, a city, or a nation.
So the simplest description of the kingdom of God is when the kingdom of God has taken reign over your life, then we know the kingdom of God is there. When you have allowed Jesus into your household, then we know the kingdom of God has arrived in your household. When you allow Jesus to be king in your business, then we know the kingdom of God has arrived in your business. How is your relationship with the king? Because that will determine how you bring the kingdom of God. How you do what? Occupy. We are called to occupy. Matthew 24, 14, the Bible says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. Listen to this. The second coming of Christ will only happen when the gospel has permeated the entire world. The second coming of Christ, the fulfillment of the kingdom will only come when the gospel of salvation has permeated the entire world. You may ask the question, how do we occupy? How do we occupy? Everything that I've said up to this far was just introduction. Let us get into the word now. Let us get into the meat. Let us get into the meat. You may have noticed that I was just racing through this now um, we can talk. How do we occupy? Dr. Miles Monroe writes a book, Rediscovering the Kingdom, one of the powerful books about the kingdom. He writes about the kingdom of seven kings. He says, we are kings who serve the world with our God-given gifts. We serve our way into leadership. Let me say that again. We save our way into leadership. We don't buy our way into leadership. We don't bribe our way into leadership. We don't corrupt our way into leadership. We don't manipulate our way into leadership. We serve, then we get into leadership. The world is longing for leaders who will serve the people, not more interested about their pockets and enriching themselves. The greatest among you shall be the seven. When Jesus said this, is the kingdom functions on the basis of seven leadership. I'm sick and tired of leaders who are just thinking about their own status, about their own monies, about how they can corrupt the system. It's about time that we have seven leaders who will get into positions of influence and change this nation for the king. It's about time that children of God occupy and not be corrupted by the systems of this world. It's about time. It's about time. We are called for such a time as this. So when I hear about Noloazi, when I hear about Chief Justice Mohoing Mohoing not receiving a bribe, I'm saying the kingdom of God is coming in our nation. The kingdom of God is coming because children of God need to understand we are called to occupy. We are called to occupy. Let me just take you through this. The first seven goes and multiply their gifts and talents. Saints, don't sit down with your gifts and talents. Multiply. Work your gifts and talents. Become the best in your area of society. Become the best like Dr. Samu. Work those gifts and talents. Amen. Don't have a mentality of lack. Will I have the finances to study? Trust God, He will provide. I've seen Him providing, He'll provide for you. The first servant comes back to the master and says, I've multiplied, and here, 
from 1 to 10. And the master says, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful with very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. I don't have time to unpack that. Not just villages, not just towns, cities. The second servant comes. Lord, I have taken. I may not have done 100%, but this is 50%. And the master says, you will be over five cities. I want to speak to these Christians. Christians who, who take the, 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 the gift and talents and they take their handkerchief and they put them in the handkerchief. You can see I'm still old school. I don't know in the time of COVID this is still allowed. They take the handkerchief and they start a new doctrine, a new theology. They put stuff there. They say, we prayed for the handkerchief. It will heal people. Well, if you have the power of God, yes. But if you are just there to manipulate people, there's no power of God there. The people who take the handkerchief and hide their gifts and talents, that's not what God wants for us. But I want to look at why did the servant hide his gift and talent. The master says to him, I will condemn you with your own words. You wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money? It's not your money. Can I hear amen to that? Whatever you have came from God. Just a reminder. My money into the bank. And at my coming, I would have collected it with interest. And he said in those he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to the one who has ten miners. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten miners. I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but the one who has not, even dead, will be taken away from them. So saints, the, the servant who did not multiply, I think and I believe they did not have the right perspective of the father. They did not realize that the father, the king, want them to occupy. The king want them to multiply and to do their best. Fear present, prevented him. He says, I was afraid. Fear will cripple you. Fear will cripple you. I was afraid that you are a severe master. And he says, I will judge you with your own words. I don't have time to talk about the other seven who did not show up. You notice we started with ten? Yeah. Only three came. The other seven did not show up. Some of us are Christians, but we are not doing anything with the gifts and talents God has given us. We need to serve our way into leadership with those gifts and talents. Amen. I know that it's difficult to read that last part. Take the minor from him and give it to the one who has more. You know, it's tough to understand how the kingdom operates because those that are faithful with little, more will be given to them. Recently, I was sitting with a guy in the church. He uh, has a business. He's in medical insurance. And he says to me, Pastor Sai, the Lord has blessed me so much. I've got all that I need. I can actually retire now and just stay at home. This guy is 45 years old. May I also say that he's not yet married? I'm praying for him. I'm saying, Lord, can you just open his eyes to see the talent that is here, Lord? There's a lot of talent in this church. I digress, but I'm, I'm just telling the truth. I mean, this guy, the Lord has blessed him. But where am I going with the story? 
two years ago, we were in the prayer room praying. He's in my connect group. And the Lord just gave me a word to pray for new ideas and to patent these new ideas. And guess what? He says, I've got an idea and I'm going to patent the idea. He patented the idea. Three weeks ago, he shows me a prototype of this idea. And just if you think that all the ideas have been taken, a completely new idea that is going to revolutionize the motor industry, not only in South Africa, but in the world. Just in case you think, man, maybe this guy is, 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 is trying things that are not necessary out there. He was on holiday. While he was sitting on holiday, just resting, because God says, go and rest. There was a family sitting on another table over there. And the lady invites him to come and sit with them, because they notice he's alone in his company. Lord, help him. He was sitting alone. And then they invite him, he joins them, they start eating, getting to know each other, and building a relationship. The next day they meet again, they continue the conversation, and then he finds out that this guy that he's talking to, he's a president of a motor company in the whole of Africa, not just South Africa. He's the president. It must be an American company. You know, they use president. I don't want to disclose which company it is, because you'll know the name. And he shares the idea with him. And this guy say, let's meet when we are back in Joburg. And they want to buy him out. Millions of rents. Remember, he said he already has enough. He already has enough. He already has more. They want to buy him out with millions of rents, maybe dollars. And he says, no, 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 I don't want to be, buy I don't want to be bought out. Let's partner together. But where I'm going with this? This guy says to me, Pastor Sai, all this is for the kingdom. All this is for the kingdom. All this is for the kingdom. I think and I believe the Lord saw his heart that he didn't want money to enrich himself. He wanted the money for the kingdom. And God says, the one who has more will get more. Because his heart is in the right place. Remember Deuteronomy, the Bible says, he who gives you the ability to produce wealth so that he can establish his covenant here on earth. I believe some of us, the reason why we're not prospering is we are more fixated with our pockets than the kingdom. We are more interested in our pockets than the kingdom. All right, listen to this. Listen to this. When I listen to the story of this guy, I believe that doing what is popular will bring you fans. Doing what is right will bring you favor. Doing what is popular will bring you fans. Popularity will bring you fans. But doing what is right for the kingdom will bring you God's favor. Could it be like Esther that you're in the position that you're in for such a time as this? So many people in this church who have multiplied their gifts and talents. I think about Dr. Andelin Dos Santos. Listen to this. She studied her PhD, and the title of her PhD was this, Empathy and Aggression Through Group Music Therapy Within Adolescents in South Africa. Group Music Therapy. You know, I think about Lebu and Tebza, all the musical people, you know. I didn't know you can do therapy through music. Powerful stuff. Listen to this. It was basically about meeting teens who are behaving violently where they are at, approaching them with empathy. Think about generational trauma from, from our country. Approaching them with empathy. 
they are more likely to transform in constructive ways, not just thinking aggression is bad or you just need to fix them. But first meet them where they are at. I remember the testimonies that Andeline shared as she was doing her research. She says this, if we connect with these teens with genuine care, we will see them transform before our own eyes. What is she doing? She is occupying with her gifts and talents. I'm, I want to just mention a few names. Sister Nkechi, she's a prayer warrior. She's just concluded her PhD. You see where I'm going. Second PhD. Sexual behavior of immigrant youth in South Africa and South African youth and how they can access reproductive health services. Under population studies, Sister Nkechi says, while I was doing this, the Lord birthed the ministry that I'm now ministering to these teenagers. She's doing what? Occupying with her gifts and talents. Mama Grace, some of you may know her, started as a domestic worker. She's a missionary at heart. She has started a business. It's called No Side Cleaning Services. Why that name, no sight, is too difficult to clean? She is now employing people. What is she doing? She is occupying. Whoa. Dr. Ngoba Tabese, a cardiologist by training, leads cardiology at Wirtz University and heads cardiology at Charlotte McClecha Academic Hospital. He trains specialist physicians and helps people to stay alive. Nice job, hey? <laughs> Keep people alive. Gideon Buota, PhD, a framework for price tariffs in costing structure of South African private hospitals. Currently, what, what was his PhD research is implemented in Namibia, transforming nations, and it's coming in South Africa. I have just started a conversation about public health in South Africa. Remember we did a land think tank? We did a job summit, we're going to do education summit, health summit, because we are doing what? Occupying. Our dream is to get like-minded people together to share ideas and say, how can we occupy and change the narrative of South Africa? Time does not permit me to speak about Professor Ahmadi, head of anatomy at Ritz. Time does not permit me to speak of Professor Adeshola, in civil engineering. Time does not permit me to speak about Abigail Kuluse, who's doing a PhD in entrepreneurship. Time does not permit me to speak about Nduluma, I call him our philosopher, recently just uh, wrote a book and it's about to be published. Time does not permit me to speak about Kath Land, who does research in pharmaceutical companies in this church. She's part of those that are changing the narrative with vaccines because we need Christians in all areas of society. She's occupying. Time does not permit me to speak about all, all of you doing great things for God. It was Tata Mandela who said, education is the most powerful weapon which we can use to change the world. So multiply your gifts and talents. As I was going through this inspiration of people who are studying, just so you know, I will also be studying towards my master's from May this year. It's about time that we occupy. <laughs> it's about time that we multiply our gifts and we occupy. Let us stand to pray.
Mother Teresa writes about there is a call within a call. When she was a nun in a convent in Calcutta, India, she says there's a call within a call. The, all of us are called to preach the gospel, to occupy with the gospel of salvation, but we are also called to occupy with the gospel of the kingdom. I believe she was referring to knowing the gifts and talents that are in you, like she did. She knew the burden that God had laid on her heart, and she went for the poorest of the poor in India. Her NGO ended up going into different countries in the world. She was burdened by something, and she did something about it. So my challenge to you today is what is that thing that God has laid on your heart as a burden and what are you doing about it? In the first service, someone came and gave a prophetic word that most people don't realize that your purpose is linked to your gifts and talents. The enemy knows that when you start working those gifts and talents and multiplying them, you're going to get to your purpose. So do not look far. Your purpose is right there. It's right there in you. Your gifts and talents, God has put them there for a reason. So that you can do what? Occupy. Occupy. So I'm going to pray that God will reveal to you those gifts and talents that are in you. And you'll be surprised that they are already connected. They are already connected to an area in society that you are burdened about. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that God today will not just be excited or hyped up, but we will look at ways where we can occupy with the gifts and talents that you've given us. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that God, we will be challenged to go and do something, Father God, and not to sit with the gifts and talents like that, 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 that servant who sat down with the gift that you had given her. Lord, I, I pray that we will not be like the servant, Father God, who sat down, who hated the master, who did not even enter in, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we'll be provoked today, even as we go throughout the week and in our connect groups and reflect on this, that God, we will see that you have called us to occupy. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.